Before I get started, I would like to issue this disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional. I am an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and I am sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911. and welcome back to another episode of Mind If We Chat. If you are new here, thank you for listening and giving our podcast a chance. And if you're a returning listener, thank you for continuing to support Mind If We Chat. Um, so I'm really excited. I've been doing some summer reading this summer. Um, we did. I did one book review uh, from the author herself, but this time I wanted to have a partner in crime to read a book with. So I decided to bring a guest who has been on two episodes already decided to bring her back to talk about you today about Atomic Habits. It's a book by James Clear and it's an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. So I'd like to introduce to you, reintroduce to you guys, Mari. Hello, Mari. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good too. That's that's good. I'm glad to hear that. You've (laughs) been uh, doing a lot over the summer as well, right? Fill us in. Yes, I've been, I feel like I've been traveling a lot. I was in Michigan. We rented a lake house and my whole family came. That was like the beginning of the summer. Then um, I went to Atlanta last week and we're taking a family trip to Jamaica in like two weeks. Wow, you are living life. (laughs) I know, it's so much fun. So have you been doing, I know you're off of school, right? Yes. Yeah, you're off of school. When do you start back up? September 6th. Oh, so you still got a long ways to go. Nice little vacation still. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. So have you been doing any reading besides the book we read? Um, not really, to be honest with you. (laughs) Aside from like small articles or something like you just read online, a long Instagram post, like, no, I haven't opened up the book and read it. Okay. I've also been doing that. I've been reading a lot of articles, like mental health articles and not to, not to stray too far away, but this was really interesting. I was reading an article about like kissing. (laughs) Don't Mm -hmm. ask me how I got to this article. Okay. (laughs) I was reading an article on kissing and it was really interesting. Like the things they gave, like what kissing does to the brain. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it, it related it to drugs. That's what interested me about like the article was like, um, it releases dopamine the same way it does, yes. like as shooting heroin. I was like, "Wow, let's not shoot heroin. Let's kiss." Because <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. That, so that w- that is interesting. It is really interesting, like what your brain can do, and you know. So I've just been reading a lot of different articles, but Atomic Habit was one I was always kind of like really interested in reading. So I was glad that you were on board to do this with me because I needed a partner for this one. <laughs> Yeah, I heard a lot of good things about it and seen a lot about it online. And whenever I see like repetitiveness, I need to check it out myself. So it was cool. 
Yeah, it was a really interesting read. I enjoyed it. The author is James Clear. Um, so before we get into the five big ideas, even his story, like the first chapter, those first pages pulled me in about what happened to him and what made him start wanting to create like good habits. I was like, I cause I, I'm a reader and I like visualizing like what I'm reading. So when I read about, you know, his incident in the baseball bat, I, I just could imagine. And I was like, <gasps> like yes. the, whole, the whole scenario was in my head. So it was really crazy. But, um, Let's jump into the content and the five big ideas of Atomic Habits. So just a warning too for anybody who's listening, if you haven't read it, there's probably going to be a lot of spoilers in here. Um, you know, if you if you don't want to read it, but you're interested in what it's about, it's a good episode to listen to, or even if you've read it and you just want to hear other perspectives. So I just wanted to give that little alert. <laughs> so the five big ideas of Atomic Habits, the first one is habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. Improvement. So let's talk about that a little bit, Madi. Um, do you believe that to be true? Um, I do, because like stated throughout the book, like your habits are who you are and what you do. And if you're doing, if you have unhealthy habits, then essentially you're kind of living unhealthy mm-hmm. to, to me. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. I feel like any kind of self-improvement requires self-awareness and to become more self-aware, you have to kind of know what habits look like for you, good and bad. And I think the hard thing about like realizing what habits are, like you kind of start to realize like, Ooh, I don't really want to do that. So in order to like, you know, want to like to recognize what a bad habit is you have to kind of want to change so I think without any kind of change there's really not going to be self-improvement you could be self-aware you could say oh I really don't like that or I really would like to fix this but in order to improve it you have to change it not just be aware about it so I think that was you know one of my ideas when I was reading the book um okay so let's go into The second one, if you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. So I'll let you lead on. Talk a little bit about that. What were your thoughts on that? That one I really liked, and I actually incorporated it into my daily routine. So like I am a fitness enthusiast, love the gym, love working out, love lifting weights. But I want to drop weight and with the weights, it wasn't working. Like I've been in the gym for years and then trial, error, trial, error. So when I read that, I'm like, okay, my goal is to lose weight, but what system am I doing in order to do that? Because obviously what I have been doing, it's not working. Well, it is working, but not at a pace that I want it to. So what can I do to get to my goal through like my system? So my system, my new system became, okay, one, let's stop weightlifting because I was looking bulky, like walking like I was to punch someone and they'll fly across the room. So I didn't like that either. So instead of lifting weights, I had started running. So now for like the past six weeks, I've just been doing cardio at an incline because that I read that that is most effective. So my system is going to the gym and going for an incline run. And that's how I'm going to get to my goal. 
So that's, I really like that point and that piece of advice. Okay. It actually made me look at this different, like the way that I think, because I'm definitely like a goal setter. This is the goal. Mm -hmm. This is the, this is what I want to achieve. And then sometimes I kind of lose steam. Like, you know what? I'll just kind of set the bar a little lower because this is too hard to achieve. Like, I don't really want to, you know, but there Mm -hmm. was one quote in the book that I really saw uh, that I liked. And it was the purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. True long-term thinking is goal-less thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. And so Mm -hmm. when I started thinking about that, I thought about grad school, right? Like I'm going back to grad school. So for me, the goal is to get that degree. And then after that, the goal is to attain a job in a school and the goal after that. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, so if it's not about any single accomplishment, it's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. That's true because I'm going to get this degree. That's, you know, and then after that, I'm going to get a job, but then what has to happen after that for me to be an effective worker, I have to attend all these trainings and all these things like that. So I started to think, you know what, I'm not, the goal isn't to get the master's, the goal my thinking now is all these things are going to lead me up to be the best counselor that I could be for the students that I engage with. And now I'm keeping that in mind. All these steps are going to get me to the ultimate, you know, improvement of myself, which is to be the best counselor I could be for the students that I work with. So it starts (laughs) to make me look at like different, it's, it started to make me look at things differently. So maybe I don't have a list of goals now, but just systems now that I can use. Yes and work more effectively with. So it's, it's very, it's very interesting. <laughs> right. It kind of, it kind of made me, like you said, my perspective changed on some things, like definitely reassessing some of the things that I do do and how does that align with what I want to do and my basically angle. And I'm like, whoa, like you need to stop that because that's, that's not, um, that's not going to get you anywhere to where you want to be. Yeah. And even in the title, when you look at what is an atomic habit, like what does that even mean? It's a regular practice or routine that's not only small and easy to do, but also the source of incredible power, a component of the system compound growth. So it's like, even when you think about that, it's an atomic habit. Like it's, it's ingrained in you. It's a part of who Mm -hmm. you are versus this is only temporary because I'm trying to get to the goal where I'm going to be like somebody in the book I read. And I really like that when you talked about fitness, it's to look at yourself like that. Like I am right. a fit person. I am a healthy person. Right. And these are the things that I do to make me that person versus saying like, well, this is what I'm going to do to reach my goal of losing weight. No, you're already, that's who you are. You're a gym enthusiast. You're a healthy person. Mm-hmm. You enjoy the activity because that makes it more of a habit versus saying like, well, the motivation is to lose weight. I don't see it happening. Well, this isn't who I am. So I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. So that, that's what I really liked about the book and the way that it made me start to look at myself even differently. Like, right. So, all right, let's go on to the third big idea of the book. The most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, but on who you wish to become. That's basically what I was, you know, talking about. You have to like look at who you want to be versus what you want to achieve. So give me a little bit on what you think about that. 
Okay, let me think. Sorry, I have notes, but like half, I know of, my you're fine. Is, half of my screen is broke on my laptop, so I'm like kind of trying to eyeball it. Can you repeat it? Sorry, I'm slow. So These are going to be edited, right? Yeah, I'll I'll have <laughs> okay. a, I'll have them edited. Hold on. Yeah, I just have to get a timestamp, but I'll re-listen to it and have them tell them where to edit it at. So um, the most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, but on who you wish to become. So again, as I said, like looking at yourself as I, I'm a fit person, I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. And these are the things I do that make me that way versus saying like, I want to achieve this goal of like losing weight. And then after I achieve it, that's when I'm a fit and healthy person. Right. You know, so I think like when thinking about that, I think that my having that mindset can really change things, really make a big change. Because I think like, and even that, even if you think of it in a negative sense too, like I'm a really pessimistic person. I'm too pessimistic. Well, how are you ever going to get to being optimistic then? (laughs) Right. And it just ties into like basically how your thoughts really create your life and how you can change your perspective. And it's just a whole different set of opportunities for you and just limitless. Your mind is limitless you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like, um, with that part, sorry, I'm blanking. My computer's really messing up, but with that point or the third main point, you, you often get to the finish line and you're like, okay, what next? And I feel like that law makes it like, or says like, okay, that is not the end goal. Because when you're there, what's next? You need to become who you want to be. I agree with that. Right. And something in that I want to kind of talk about too is having an accountability partner, how much that helps you to change. And this is why I say people, I hear people say like, oh, I'll do it by myself. I can do this alone. Like not everything has to be done alone. You don't have to put on this face of like, you know, I'm strong. I can do this all by myself. Having accountability partner, like even just having that name to it can change like, oh, well, I have a partner. I have somebody in. And this is exactly why I have somebody else in with this on this episode. You're my partner in this, right? right? Because yes. it, it makes you feel like, you know, you're you're connected with someone else when you're trying to relay ideas. So when thinking about, do you have someone that you go to the gym with? Yes, my cousin, she, I guess we can say we're accountability partners in life. So we're really close. We both have kids around the same age. So I feel like we both keep each other in line, but it's nice. Like one day if I'm not feeling gym, she'll say, hey, let's go. And that makes you and gives you an incentive to go with your friend. And it's nice. And days she doesn't want to go. And I text her like, hey, let's go. Like, okay, I guess I'll go with you because it makes it feel less alone. And as it is, I don't think we should be like living alone in this world. Anyway, we were meant to be in communities and help one another. Mm -hmm. Agree 100%. And I feel like when you're around other people, it does help you create who you wish to become, you know? And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people who are similar to you or who have the same kind of like mindset as you, because if you're around negativity, 
I mean, the outcome, you're going to start thinking like that. I talked about that in a couple episodes right. with uh, gains by Pat, you know, your, your environment is important and who, the people who you surround yourself with are important because if you're with, with people who have like a negative mindset that eventually will trickle over to you. So going yes. back to accountability partner and how it like kind of changes everything, we're less likely to repeat bad habits if they're painful and unsatisfying and we have a partner who we kind of feel like, oh, I don't want to let you down, you know, and they say right. that, oh, that's not a good way to think. But if it's going to help, I don't see how it's bad. I mean, as long as you're not going into a negative headspace with that and, you know, right. Does that make it's, sense? Yes. Like essentially, isn't that what like sponsors are in AA? They're basically your accountability partner. They're your sponsor. Mm-hmm. So I think that people can take it and make it into something negative, but in reality, it's someone making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. It's not whoever takes it farther than that, that's on you. <laughs> Agreed. Um, <laughs> and then knowing that someone else is watching you, it, it really is a powerful motivator because it's not just like the thinking of, I want to, I don't want to let them down. It's the thinking of like, I know that if I'm like struggling, I can lean on you and you'll help. Right. You know, and I right. know if you're struggling, you can lean on me and you'll help me. You know, it's right. having that sense of like security, having that motivation and, you know, having mm-hmm. that support to know that you're not alone. So right. and an accountability partner can create an immediate cost to inaction. We care deeply about what others think of us and we do not want others to have a lesser opinion of us. Again, that could be seen in a negative way, but I think when it comes to having someone to kind of like have your back, I don't think that's a negative connotation at all, you know? Yes. I think that whoever, well, we're probably gonna talk about this later, like who this book is for, or can we talk about it now? We can talk about it now. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's what I think this book is for someone who definitely has their head on straight, has total self-awareness and knows how to be able to form these habits and, I feel like even for me, like I'm reading it, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 that's a good idea. But then I'm like, I think and I forget, <laughs> you know. So, and I feel like I'm pretty, like I have self awareness. I'm pretty in it. I'm in it to win it. So, the you would have to be like at a zero balance to fully understand, not understand, grasp and take it and live and do it. You know. Mm-hmm. And there is one thing that I read in the book and I'm trying, as we're talking about it, I'm looking over my notes to try to recall it. Chapter seven, the secret to self-control. That's another thing. I feel like you have to have like self-control and it are working towards having more self-control because I feel like if somebody, and as speaking to like people who read the book, I feel like if somebody picked this up, they have like no no real like self, sense of self-control or they just are really right. impulsive in things. I think trying to implement these things would be a challenge. Uh, yeah, like yeah. for me, I'm impulsive. I forget, like I just, I would really have to think and really want to implement these things into my life to be able to follow through with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you literally have to parent, like really you have to parent yourself all day to be able to form these good habits. And you're making good decisions, picking over bad ones, throwing bad ones away, creating these symptoms, systems. So it's kind of, 
challenging. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Agreed. So there's a thing that James Clear wrote in here and I want to read it to you guys. People with high self-control tend to spend less time in tempting situations. It's easier to avoid temptations than to resist it. So that's what, you know, the point that I'm trying to make. If you're, you're aware, you know, and you have a little bit more sense of self-control, I feel like this book helps you kind of build on that you know, um, and then once a habit is formed, it's unlikely to be forgotten. And this is true, good or bad habits. Once we form right. a habit, it is very hard to forget. You see a lot of people bite their nails, right? Right. That is to some people, it's just a habit to others. It's a bad habit, you know? Right. So there are different ways to, to change the habit, but it's hard to forget. Right. <laughs> I also liked how he tied it in a lot with like addiction and how, and breaks it down because I feel like that's important too. And someone who would be overcoming addiction or in sobriety, that is, this would be kind of a good book too, to explain like, this is what happens before a craving. This is what happens after. And what's funny is you create before the craving is when you're, he said, you're most like excited or when you're most fulfilled or mm-hmm. I think you said like fulfilled and then it's more fulfilling than after you get whatever you wanted so then you're back to craving yeah so it's any habit can be broken down into a feedback loop that involves involves four steps cue craving response and reward yeah so and then in the law of and we'll get into that actually that helps us move on to the next one <laughs> So the next one that he says, uh, the fourth big idea of the book is the four laws of behavior change. So when he talks about this, he looks at those four um, responses, the cue, the craving, the habit. Um, The four laws of behavior change are a simple set of rules we can use to build better habits. They are make it obvious, two, make it attractive, three, make it easy, and four, make it satisfying, right? Right. Because if we're making it obvious to us, I mean, that's uh, essential. <laughs> right. When we make it attractive, we're, we are going to want to do something more. If it's not attractive to us, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Nothing. Because our eyes like beauty. When we make it attractive, we're essentially saying, I want to do this. I want to be involved mm-hmm. in this. You know, we make it easy. Who wants to do things the hard way? We want things. Let's go. We want it easy. We want it simple. We want it fast. We want to see the outcomes. No one wants to make things hard. No No one, you know, and then the last one is make it satisfying. No one wants to suffer. So you want to make some, you want to make, you know, the habit I mean, sorry, the behavior change, you want to make it as satisfying as possible. So that way it becomes a good habit and it's sustainable. Right. So I, give me some of your thoughts on that. Um, I totally agree. I feel like when things, and which made me feel like everyone can relate. He mentioned how if you want to eat more fruit, you put it closer where you can see in the fridge. If you want to, if you want to go for a run, leave your gym shoes at the door. If you want to stretch, put your yoga mat where you see every day, 
like those things help me because I do feel like I have object performance. And then I'm like, everyone must suffer from this too. You know, everyone must deal with this. So those things like that, like, you know what, maybe he's right. Maybe if I want to stretch more, I can put my yoga mat where I'm at every day where I sit in the front room. And also I liked how he spoke about habit stacking. How you can do less pleasurable things with things that are pleasurable. So I feel like I do that too. Like without even knowing you just, so when he said it, it was like, haha, I do do that. Like I'll watch TV and fold clothes, things like that, that are so mundane, but you do something that makes it go by faster and learning that that's like a thing or a strategy. It was cool. Yeah. Agreed. I I like the, when I read about the habit stacking, I was like, okay, I got to give this a try. I got it. And that, that is one just to, for me, I like background noise and things like that when I'm doing Mm -hmm. things. And I noticed for me, that's always kind of been one of my habits. Um, Mm -hmm. and it helps me get things done. The one I like that he talked about was the second law of behavior change, which is to make it attractive. It's like, how mm-hmm. can you make something that attractive that you keep wanting to do it? Because I feel like I get bored, <laughs> you know, right. you get mm-hmm. you get bored. But habits are dopamine driven feedback loops. And when dopamine rises, so does our motivation to act. And mm-hmm. temptation bundling is a way to make your habits more attractive. You pair it an action you want to do with an action you need to do. Again, I want to do something like go take a walk, right? Because I know it's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me feel healthy, but I also need to go to the store. So maybe I'll just walk to the store versus driving, you know, thinking of things like in that. And the more attractive an opportunity is, the more likely it is to become habit forming. So those are some things that I kind of took away from when he talked about law two. And then, um, yes, anything else you would like to add on that? No. All right. So let me, we will go to the last idea, which is environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. So let's talk about that a little bit. I think we, we all kind of know our environment is essentially a really important thing because those really do create the habits. If we're around people who are smoking cigarettes and we don't necessarily smoke cigarettes and maybe become something over time that might be a little bit more attractive, you know, right. and maybe one day we might just say, you know what, let me just try. Let me just try. I mean, right. you guys are always doing it. Not, not everyone's like that. And I'm not saying everyone is, but right. You know, it could be something. Um, I know for me, I'm not a very big drinker. And I have been around um, people who like to drink. So I'm just like, "Ah, I'll do it a little more. And I have noticed my drinking has gone up and I'm like, "Mm, okay, I need to, I need to calm down. (laughs) Yeah. Reel it in before it gets, uh, it gets bad. But um, that, and that's just one, an example that I'm giving. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking or I mean, you do you, but uh, that's just an example that I kind of thought of. So would you agree with that? And let's talk a little bit about environment. Yes, I do agree. Our environment is is important. You cannot thrive in an environment that's not good. And I feel like anything, even a plant, can't even. And there are studies that plants hear like words and voices and understand and they're affected by it. So if a plant is affected by an environment, I feel like a whole human can be as well. 
And um, it made me think about how sometimes people go through like traumatic experiences and they move away. And in the book, the author spoke about how sometimes removing this, the stimuli from the environment is the best thing you can do. And he compared it to taking someone and take them going to rehab and they're removed from it and they don't have any of those cravings or any of those things because they're in a totally different environment. But as soon as they go back, it is, they kind of, they go back to their old habits. So I thought that was interesting. I think that our environment, especially like my house, I love when it's like set, like there's fresh flowers on the table, the diffusers are on, my bed is made. When my house is like messy or trashed or my bed is not made and I have clothes all over the floor, it definitely affects my mood. Right. So even as something as small as that. Right. And then um, there was a line in the book. It's easier to build new habits in a new environment because you're not fighting against old cues, you know, and I feel like, and that's with anything, if you're around things that are like triggering to you and you're trying to like figure it out and like, okay, I could try to make this work. Sometimes you really do have to remove yourself from that environment, especially if it's not healthy for your mental health, especially if it's not healthy for your mindset. There's a lot of negativity around that because, you know, that cue is going to trigger in your brain, all the negativity and all the negative thoughts. So I think a new environment, like you said, people move away for that reason to have a new environment, have a new setting so they can create those new habits and become a better version of themselves. And, you know, and even highlighting it, there's nothing wrong with that. I feel like a lot of people think that it's wrong to do that, but it's, it's really not. If it's benefiting you and it's helping you be a better person, you have to, at the end of the day, you always have to do what's best for you you know? Right. So I really I used to think oh, the same thing, like they're, how can they move? You're running away from your problems. But then sometimes when I travel and then I come back home, I'm like, I'm so sad <laughs> because I'm back where all of this traumatic, these traumatic things happen and I don't want to be here and I just feel sad. So I can uh, I can now relate and see how someone could want to move somewhere else to create a different environment for themselves. So yeah, and even reading reading it, reading reading what he said about like changes of environment, like that even made me think like, hmm, that's interesting because I would always think of it as you're gonna go somewhere else, and whatever you were dealing with is still gonna be there. But obviously true, but not true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there also has to come a willingness to want to like change those things. Because for me, I feel like if you move to a different environment, but the same things are happening, you know, with new people in a new setting, I feel like there's something inside that has to be looked at. There's something with inside that specific person that has to be looked at because if the environment has changed and that, and I think that's one of the hardest things to have to take a look at yourself and say, oh, okay, well, maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was something in me that was triggering them, you know? So it's like something that's, that, that was something that I thought about. You know, like if there's things that you, oh, I I can't be around these people. I know it's them. It's not me. But then you go to a new place and it's kind of like the same things are happening. I think a lot of self-reflection needs to happen, you know, 
So that was one thought, one thought that I had when reading the book and um, some other things that I thought about when reading the book, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. So it's like one of those things you can't just expect this, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to smoke anymore. I don't know why that's just an example in my head. I'm not going to smoke cigarettes anymore. So I'm going to like leave like everybody who smokes. I'm going to go be by myself. And then I'm just going to stop doing it. That's you have to actively work on that, you know? And that's why they say like people with addiction, they have relapses or like, you know, um, because even though like the environment is changing and things, it doesn't happen overnight. There's still those cues, those cravings, things that trigger you. Right. For so, sure. Yeah. So I did want to read um, something because this book did have quite a bit of like charts <laughs> in it. Right. And I really, really liked this one, how to create a bad habit and how to create a good habit. So let's see, how do we create bad habits, right? Like we just, oh, this just happened, but there's a process to everything. So the first uh, inversion of the first law is make it invisible, uh, reduce exposure, remove the cues of your bad habits from your environment. So whatever that cue may be for you, um, you remove it for the environment. The inversion of the second law is make it unattractive, right? So you want to make this thing in your mind, the nastiest, ugliest thing you've ever witnessed. So reframe your mindset, highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habit. So again, um, I don't feel so good when I don't go to the gym. So I want to feel good. I'm going to the gym, right? Then the inversion, uh, the third law, make it difficult, increase friction, increase the number of steps between you and your bad habits, use a commitment device, restrict your future choices to ones that benefit you. And the last one, inversion of the fourth law, make it unsatisfying, get an accountability partner, ask someone to watch your behavior. And I think that, how do you feel about that, Madi, to ask someone to watch your behavior? Is that something that you're open to? definitely I feel like my relationship with my mom we were more like friends so she never parented me I guess essentially like a normal parent would like she I felt like she didn't care but like I would miss school for like weeks at a time and like I didn't have that strict parent maybe I needed it but now I like when my friends can definitely put me on check and I my friends are always watching, so it's not like they're not. And whenever I'm like fumbling or falling off, they tell me, and I have no problem accepting it and assessing my behavior and changing it. Okay. And then the next one is create a habit contract, make the cost of your bad habits public and painful. <laughs> See, that, that kind of, I don't know why, but for me, I always have like, And I don't know if that's my anxiety that helps create that, but I always have like this fear of judgment. Like, I don't want to be judged. There's a difference between being giving constructive criticism and then there's a difference being criticized. And I have this, like, I have a lot of anxiety around like just non-constructive criticism, you know? So that one for me, I I don't know. I felt some type of way about that. I don't want to make my bad habits public. Right. I can understand how they can say that because it's humiliating. 
<laughs> essentially, but I feel like I lay everything about me out on the table. Mm-hmm. So I humiliate, I'm that Eminem song. I humiliate myself before anyone gets a chance to. So I don't know, but like, they're like those men on the side of the road holding up the I cheated on my girlfriend's sign. <laughs> like what? Yeah, um, that, that definitely, uh, that's the cost of a bad, bad thing Bad. we don't know if it's a habit, but a bad thing that's, uh, pu- definitely public and painful. <laughs> yes. So, and okay. So now we're going to move on to the, how to create a good habit. So the first law, and there's actually like 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4 different steps for the first law. The first law is to make it obvious. Fill out the habit scorecard. So there's like actually a scorecard you could fill out, right? Or you could just do this too. Write down your current habits to become aware of them, right? So that's, you have to be able to really sit with that and recognize what are these bad habits that you have or what are your current habits that you have and you have to be able to kind of reflect on them to change them. Uh, The next one is you're going to use the implementation intentions. So this one breaks it down. I will, and then you put the behavior in there at, you put the time in there in, and then you put the location. So then one you kind of mentioned too is habit stacking. Use habit stacking. So after what is that current habit, comma, I will, and then you insert the new habit. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the next one is design your environment, make the cues of good habits, obvious and visible. All right. So the next one, you want to make it attractive. Use temptation bundling, pair an action you want to do with an action that you need to do. Okay. Join a culture where you, your desired behavior is the normal behavior. So see for that one, I was like, uh, I need an example of this. (laughs) Uh, okay let's pretend so I feel like I've heard people say in countries like Italy they're more lax so if you desire a more lax lifestyle you can go to one of those cultures I guess and live it like I've I don't know if it's true but I've watched Emily in Paris and they always say how there's time for wine and time for a cup of coffee and they're just not a I don't know if it's a whole city or what, but in the show, they said they do not start early. And they do not work late. So I guess if you want a more a lifestyle that is not rigid, like here in the U.S., you can go somewhere else. That was my interpretation. Okay. Like if you want to be a monk, you live like a monk. Yeah. That was my thought. I'm like, wait, join a culture where you desire. Okay, so... All right. The next one is create a motivation ritual. Do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. So that, that one was interesting to me. Um, just because like time restraints, I'm like, how could I do this? But again, if you really want to change something, if you really, you're willing to put in the work. All right. The next one is make it easy. And I, oh yes, <laughs> I liked all of these because who wants to have things hard? <laughs> right. So make it easy, reduce friction, decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits. Okay. Prime the environment, prepare your environment to make future actions easier. Master the decisive moment, optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact. Next is use the two minute rule downscale your habits until they have gone they can be done in two minutes or less 
And then the next one is automate your habits, invest in technology, and on one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. Any thoughts on making it easier? Um, I definitely agree. The the purchases that make the one-time purchases that make your life easier, my Alexa. My Alexa is my alarm clock, my Alexa is my rain sound, my Alexa is my reminder, my Alexa is my music. A four-in-one bundle that reminds me, hey Maddie, get your water out of the fridge in 15 minutes. Hey Maddie, you have to go pick up Christopher in 30 minutes. I like that. My Alexa is one of my accountability partners. Yeah, Alexa, definitely. Sometimes I don't trust her, though, because I'm like, what are you listening to? Are you listening right. to Right. <laughs> You're listening to me cry. That, that's a whole other podcast, though. But um, mm-hmm. I definitely think <laughs> having things like that, like I, I like to have little systems of like my calendar and Alexa. Yes. Those are two things, especially with the work I was doing. My calendar was like essential. It was like my Bible. Yes you know, yes. and having that where I not only had it on my computer, but I had it on my phone. I had it on my tablet. I had it, you know, anywhere I can have it because I'm right. definitely a creature. I need to see what I'm doing next. If you tell yes. me I'm going to like, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I yeah. need a visual cue of this is what's going to happen next because I tend to be like, I'll remember. And I don't remember because yeah. I got a lot of things in my mind. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in okay. the same way. Yeah. So the fourth law, our last law is to make it satisfying. Use reinforcement. Give yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habits. Do you agree with that? Yes. Um, I do implement that in my daily life, like because everything sucks and I need to be happy. Yeah. So sometimes like after the gym, I'll go buy clothes. <laughs> I'll go buy clothes every after the gym. My routine is I wake up, take my kid to camp, go to the gym, go for a run, go get a tea. So my tea or my coffee is my reward after my run. Or or the beauty supply store in Ross is next door to the gym. So I'll go there because I deserve something after suffering through that run. All right. So the next one is make doing nothing enjoyable when avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. And then the next one is use a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. I think habit trackers are excellent. Duolingo has like a streak that I Mm -hmm. know when I was using it, I was like, oh yeah, I'm on a 31 day streak. The only downside to a habit tracker that I, for myself, and this is just my personal opinion, when I see I break that streak, it's like, I'm really hard on myself. Like, I could have made the time to do it. I could have. So that's a bad habit that I have is being too hard on myself. (laughs) So um, I have uh, have a fitness tracker that I do like my calorie intake on. And even if I didn't eat the best that day, I feel good that I put in, that I took the time to put in like, you know, what I ate that day to keep track of what I'm eating. So that way I know what my habits are, because how are you going to know, you know, what days, like, is there something that's triggering it? How am I going to change the bad habits of eating unhealthy and to eat healthier if I'm not tracking it? So definitely um, habit trackers are a definite and it's a good way to keep accountable too. Right. And he also mentioned how sometimes we have to take some time before we assess ourselves, because if not, we're constantly looking at the flaws 
But when you take some time and you wait six months instead of checking every single day, that there is going to be a change. But since you're looking so focused on looking at it daily, you're not going to see anything. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And that, and that was one of the points he made in the book too, is like, it's going to take years. It's not mm-hmm. going to be something that happens overnight. And I think even opening your mind to that, it's not an overnight process. This is going to take time. Um, right. for, and I, for myself, I, I, I can be impatient. I definitely can be impatient, especially You're when saying. I, when I want to see results. So even switching my mindset to being more patient, you know, that that's helpful, but that's the self-improvement who wants to be impatient, who wants, you know what I mean? Like, I know I don't want to be impatient. I want to be like (laughs) patient. I want to be patient so bad, but I just, I'm so impatient at times. It's something I definitely work on, but I just can't sometimes. So, but in like, but like in instances like the gym, I've definitely been patient. Slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. Like I am not in a rush. I love my body and I love how it looks. I do want to drop weight, but you know, slow and steady. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, having that mindset, like that. what there's, this isn't a, life isn't a race. I don't right. need to be I don't need to have something done in a certain time frame. I don't, right. it, it does, where am I going? <laughs> like, you know, right. I think things are, life is meant to be lived. And I, I really have the belief that as long as I'm trying, giving it my best effort. Now there's a difference. If you say you're trying and you know, deep down, you're not really trying. That's a difference, right. you know, but if you right. genuinely know you're giving it as much effort as you can, I think that that's m- most important. Like, making progress and not trying to be perfect, you know, and that's what reading this book kind of made me see, like, I don't Mm -hmm. have to be this perfect person. I just need to make progress and who I want to be. Right. Like the 1% every day, he said, Mm -hmm. you do better 1% every day. By the end of the year, you'll be 365% better than you were the first day you started. Exactly. Exactly. So the last one is never miss twice. When you forget to do a habit, make sure you get back on track immediately. And I think that that's good that he said that because it's easy. If you do something twice in a row, it's easy to let it go a third day, go a fourth day, go a fifth day. I can attest to this because I'm, I like walking in the mornings now that I have time. So 6am I'm up and this has been a habit I created. I'm like 6am I'm up, I'm walking. I missed three days in a row. On that fourth day, I was like, I can miss one more day. And I'm like, oh, this is what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. That's why you don't miss more than two days. Never miss two days because you really will get content and going right back to that. You know, if you're trying to create a habit, a good habit for yourself, you will definitely go back. Like, but then I told myself, I recognize it. I realize it. I'm aware. Now let's, let's fix it. Let's go back. (laughs) Right. I mean, giving myself a little grace though. Sometimes I'm just tired. Like there's a lot going on. (laughs) Which is what I struggle with. Like, yes, all of this information is so cool and it it could help me so much. But then I'm like, "Mm, I'm already so not even strict, but I already implement so many things. It's just another thing. And then sometimes I'm just like, eh, like you, I'm gonna not do it one, two, three days and it's okay. And I'm going to give myself as much grace as I want. 
And that's where I have to be like, no, this is what this, again, remind yourself, this is what you want. So let's get up and let's go. Yeah, because three layers of changing a behavior, a change in your outcomes, a change in your process, and a change in your identity. You know, mm-hmm. you. I mean, those are the three layers to a behavior change. So if I keep telling myself I'm lazy, I'm going to be lazy. I'm not going right. to do the things, you know, that are going to help me in the process of being, you know, motivated and active and all these things. Um, one thing I really liked in chapter two was how he talked about changing our habits is challenging for two reasons, right? So he's telling me, I like how he's telling the readers, like he's being straight up, like this isn't going to be easy, but it's possible. Like, don't think it's not possible. So changing our habits is challenging for two reasons. We try to change the wrong thing and we try to change our habits in the wrong way. And I think that kind of goes to that kind of all or nothing mindset. I'm going to do this because I think it's easy for people to fall in that, right? Like, yes, this is the goal that I set for myself. I need to, and they put a time frame on, I need to do it in six months. And if I don't do it in six months, there's no point in doing it. Right. So it's like one of those things you'd rather throw any kind of progress away just because you didn't get it done in six months. That is definitely something that is in our society. You know, like you also mentioned the gift rich quick scenes and things like that like if it's not easy people don't want it you know Mm -hmm. and I like when and like I said chapter two was one that I really did like because in chapter two he also said it's it's a simple two-step process decide the type of person you want to be and prove it to yourself with the small wins you know I think oftentimes we overlook the small things that we do that are leading to bigger things right you know and um so I'll give an example like about that I struggle with anxiety but I look at how I was two years ago three years ago four years ago and I'm like whoa I don't not even close to how bad I would be like reactive before how stuck in my head I would stay and I could go for days thinking about the same thing and letting it bother me and like really be intrusive to my mind and now Mm -hmm. I think like it doesn't last that long you know it's it's not as intense as it used to be before because I've Mm -hmm. created ways to okay I feel it coming on let me connect with someone maybe I need connection okay that didn't work let me try this you know and I think it's all about seeing those small wins. What did I do last time that helped me? Okay. I'm going to try that again, you know, and adjusting if that doesn't work. Right. I can relate to that with like this stress tolerance and I've been like reading more into it. And, um, so, and like, I, one of the things I've read was like distraction. Whenever you're feeling like extremely distressed and you cannot control or manage, like you feel like you cannot manage distract go watch TV, go take a bath, go cook. And I've noticed like in times where I feel like that, like this this time around is really hard for me. So I've kind of just been really like, really taking it easy. But in order to manage like, okay, you're feeling like this, like you can't manage it. Like, you know how you get the waves are crashing in, go make a meal, go wash the dishes little things, 10, 15 minute tasks that can distract me. And then I come back and I'm like, okay, I'm better. Yeah. It's interesting. 
Yeah. And I think it's like finding your center again, giving yourself a little bit of time. I, I noticed when I'm higher stressed out, it takes a little longer to kind of like regulate or kind of like come back. But I'm just like, the fact is I come mm-hmm. back, right? Like I'm good. All right. But in even just recognizing that I need a little bit longer this time around and that's okay. You know, as long as I can right. come back and get back on track, that's the most important thing. Um, so before we mm-hmm. wrap it up, Madi, is there anything in the book that you read that really was profound or stood out to you that you would like to tell readers about? Like what was kind of like your selling point for this book? <laughs> what I like the most and what I totally believe in life, uh, my favorite thing that line that stood out to me was when you can't win by being better, you can win by being different. There's going to be a hundred million people doing the same thing you're doing, but what makes it what makes it different is that it's you and we're all unique and authentic in our own way. And it, it motivated me or made me feel better because like my goals open up a center on these sides, but then you're like, okay, well, everyone's doing that. Okay. Well, everyone's doing that. But then this like, no, but it's not going to be anyone else's, but mine in the way I do it. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel like reassured. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I, like I said, I'm excited to see what you're going to do and I'm, I'm rooting for you because I I know it's going to be good. (laughs) Well, thank you. You're welcome. My, I think my selling point for the book was the most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, but on who you wish to become. You know, like I said before, I'm very like goal oriented, like, and when I don't reach those goals, I can be kind of like, oh my God, like I can be hard on myself, but I, I have been constantly reminding myself, this is who I wish to become and I'll get there. You know, it's all about figuring out how to get there, how to change the process and not so much to completely just, you know. I didn't do it. So now I'm over it. You know, it's a process. It's going to take time and just like keeping that in mind. So I really, I give the book a five out of five. (laughs) I highly (laughs) recommend it for people. Um, I think it's a really great way to, to look at things. It's a different perspective. It's a good way to help change your mindset. And I would definitely recommend people to read this book. Yeah, I would say I would give it a three out of five only because just the way it was written I don't know I don't know if this is the proper term I just feel like I was mansplained (laughs) but nonetheless it did have good points it did give good strategies but it would not be the first book I chose on the shelf after reading it okay what would be your go-to if you had a book uh, that you could pick that you would recommend for readers. Oh, okay. Well, one of my favorite, I would say self-help books is, hmm, I like, it's called, um, it's called, I'm looking up real quick. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, uh, is it? Maybe it's called Feeling Good. Feeling Good, the New Mood Therapy. Feeling Good, the New Mood Therapy. Yes, by David D. Burns. I like it a lot. 
it's a longer one and it's more so for like cognitive behavioral or like yeah that's what it is right cognitive behavioral it's more along the lines of that so like more I would say like a deeper more intense book I guess but I like it and I feel like it does help me it did help me it gives you like my problem is I get easily bored or like when I was going through my divorce I was sad at all the free time I had so he gives you like things to do and charts to do like and it helps you deal with your depression mm-hmm. so I liked it all right We're, well I'm gonna have to definitely check that one out it um I've been trying like new things because I have a lot of time it's summertime but I've been really busy with my son so it's been right. a little bit like stressful not being mm-hmm. with him but He's three. He's got some behaviors going on and it's exhausting. It's exhausting to go from a working mom to like full on stay at home mom mode. I'm like, "Uh." like, I don't care what they say. Being a mom's annoying. (laughs) Like, why is that so bad to say? Being a mom is annoying. It's rewarding, but annoying. Yeah. I think for me, I've just found it a little bit more challenging only because my support system when it comes to having, you know, I I don't have like grandparents for him to go to anyways. I don't want to get all into that, but I just feel like having a not big support system has been a challenge and it's like always on always on so I actually uh tried floating therapy I might do an episode on that because I want to talk about my experience I what is it float therapy like you lay in that tank it wasn't really a tank though but yeah I think that might be an episode coming soon if you guys want to hear about my experience um I went in Cherville Indiana and uh yeah Yeah, I will say it was definitely an experience, especially because I thought to myself, isn't this supposed to relieve my anxiety? Why was my anxiety up? But it was just the small space and being hot. But um, like I said, I think I want to definitely do an episode and share my experience with you guys. So yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. And I would definitely recommend it. But um, I would definitely uh, think about that. But thank you, Madi, for that book recommendation. Uh, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out because I think I need to get he's going back to school. (laughs) He's going back to school. Yeah. Yeah, so um like next week so I'm kind of just like I need some I have a week and a half off before I start my new job so oh wow I think I could get it done in a week and a half I think I get it done I think I get it done in two days if he goes to school (laughs) yeah that's a good read it's thick but it's good all right. So that does it for another episode, guys, of Mind If We Chat. Um, I will see you guys in the next one. And thank you again, Madi, for joining me for this episode. No problem. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye, guys. I am not a mental health professional. I'm an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics, and I'm sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911.